I always wanted to run my own business. Um, and when you become a member of a corporate organization, you get to the point where the business decides what they want you to do. And that's great. You know, I had the opportunity to work in so many different functions and learn and learn so much. Welcome to another episode of Spotlight with Simon Costigan from The Change Partner. Today we talk about the fine margins uh, achieved in football and sports science and how he's been able to apply these to his business. Yeah, yeah, it was it was massive. And it, um, it was something I always wanted to do. I always wanted to run my own business. Um, and when you become a member of a corporate organisation, you get to the point where the business decides what they want you to do. And that's great. You know, I had the opportunity to work in so many different functions and learn and learn so much. You know, I, I changed role every two years in Boots. And that was simply because I wanted to broaden, you know, broaden my horizons, broaden the scope of what I worked in. So, you know, I worked in operations, I managed help desks, I managed company suggestion schemes, I worked in the healthcare category. I worked in, you know, the biggest brand. I worked for the biggest brand number seven uh, on a global scale. I managed their biggest category on a global scale. You know, when I left, when I left Walgreens, because I worked ultimately for the parent company Walgreens, I was managing five hundred million dollars of business by the time I left. Um, and I started, I started on the YTS. So I started on a youth training scheme on twenty six pound fifty in a boot shop in Preston. Amazing. Really? £26.50? Yeah, £26.50 a week I was on. Wow. So managing um, a £500 million. To managing £500 pound, $500 million worth of business. But from YTS to £500 million, what, 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 what do you think was the secret to your uh, success on that journey? Because that's some journey to go on. Yeah, it was being open-minded so when opportunities present themselves seeking to understand what the opportunity was so for every job that I ever went for I always spoke to the recruiting manager before I went for the interview and I did that for two reasons one I wanted to understand their expectation about you know what the what the candidate was was expected to deliver and I also wanted to understand where it would fit into my to my career aspirations. And I think with a lot of things, you've just got to go with the flow sometimes, you know, that things happen for a reason. I'm a, firm, I'm a massive believer that things happen for a reason and opportunities present themselves. And for me, it's an obligation to seek to understand more about that opportunity. Um, so I'm very much in the mindset of I never close anything down. Every, every opportunity, I explore it. And then I understand if it's the right opportunity for me or not. You know, I'd spent, you know, five years working in project and operations in the operational side of the business. I'd never worked in category. So I didn't understand how P&L accounts worked. I didn't understand how promotional activity worked. And I didn't understand how the business made money. And that was simply by just looking at my CV. And this is where inward reflection is so very important. So if you want to make your next career step, have a plan of where you want to get to. So my plan was always, I want to run my own business. But if I don't understand how a P&L account works, I don't understand how to run promotional activity, I'm missing a massive, massive skill set. So I applied for a job in the healthcare category, running 
their healthcare promotional campaign and also running healthcare innovation and also working with the buyers. So I'd work with the buyers in healthcare, I'd work with suppliers such as P&G, Seven Cs, Unilever, to understand how we generated money off the promotional activity that we did in Boots. And I think for me, that's where so many people lose sight of what's important. You know, think about every decision that you make. It's all about, life's all about choices. And you choose to do what you want to do but always have a real clear view around this is where this is where I want to do. This is what I want to do. So do I want to be a CEO? Do I want to manage people? Well, if you want to manage people, seek to understand what good leaders do. How yeah. do you handle uh, 500 million pounds to none? Um, very scary, to be honest. You know, you go from... You go from the you go from the corporate world where you've got a guaranteed salary, you know it's it's secure. You've got a safety net uh, to being a hundred percent accountable for your own decisions. You know you have all the autonomy, but you also have all the pressure. You have all you have the pressure to the pressure to deliver. But it, I felt it was something that that I was ready for. And again, there was a plan. So I had a plan in place. So. I uh, saw a job opportunity working for a small merchandising company uh, who were based in Macclesfield, a company called Momentum Install. And I saw this job in advert and it was for a cosmetics furniture rollout. And it said it's based in a it's UK retailer based in Nottingham. I thought, well, there's only one retailer, a UK retailer based in Nottingham. That must be booked. So I applied for the job and I interviewed and I remember the question, the final question in the interview is why should we give you the job? I said, because I know Boots Inside Out. I said, I know how it thinks, how it behaves, how nebulous it can be, how difficult it can be to navigate. I said, I know how the senior leaders think. I said, you won't find anybody as better prepared for this role as me. And I used that fixed, that 15-month fixed-term contract as a jumping-off point. The whole, the whole transition was quite scary, but this fixed-term contract was, was the jumping-off point between the corporate world and running my own business. That was the first time that I truly stepped into a leadership position. So, you know, the rollout for Boots was, was the first time they'd ever outsourced a program office. Um, it was the most aggressive rollout they'd ever done. So we did the full estate of two and a half thousand shops in six months uh, with 26,000 individual um, pieces of kit. You know, we, we dealt with two suppliers, one in China, one in Poland, 15 brands, six merchandising companies. It, it was enormous. And, you know, I remember somebody in Boots saying to me, you must be mad taking this on. Why, why are you doing this? And my response was, well, it's either going to define my career or it's going to kill it. Yeah. It's going to do one or the other. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I love big challenges. I love facing into stuff that people don't believe you can do. And it came in on budget. Well, it came in under budget, on time, under budget. Um, and we absolutely smashed it. The team that I worked with were absolutely fantastic. Um, but again, I learned a lot about my leadership style. Uh, and how to get the best out of people. So, you know, it honestly, it was the best experience of my life, of my career. Any major setbacks in setting up your business? Um, not in setting up the business. I guess 
my biggest setback is actually out outside work and I learned I learned a lot from it so um, a friend of mine his wife died of a of a brain tumor um, GMB uh, which are which are incurable and he he set up uh, he's we were you know I'm big into cycling and so is he and he set up this ride from the west coast of France in Biarritz across to the east coast in Collioli. It's 440 miles, seven days across across 11 mountains. So a lot of the passes that the Tour de France go over. And I thought, you know, I want I want to do this. I want to do this for her memory. You know, I want to raise some money. Um, and I, I want to I want to make him and I want to make her proud of me. So, you know, I trained for it to what I believed was the right level. I went out to France got three days into it, four days into it maybe. I got injured. Um, one, because I hadn't trained properly. Two, because my bike wasn't set up properly. Um, and I felt I felt terrible. I felt like I'd failed. You know, I just took myself away. I was really upset. I'll be honest, you know, I was really upset because I felt I'd let him down. I felt I'd let her down. But I then committed to doing it again. And I thought, right, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it properly and I'm going to absolutely smash it. So, you know, in terms of building my resilience, it was one of the biggest things I ever did. And that's where I learned that preparation in anything that you do is, is absolutely critical. And I'll just the old cliche, isn't it? Prepare, you'll fail to prepare, you know, prepare to fail. But it, it is it is true. It is true in anything that you do, whether that's an interview or whether that's a meeting that you're preparing for or a conversation like this that, that we're having, you need to prepare for it. What's the best part? What what would you when you decided to make that that leap of faith, what is what is the what would you have said to yourself? Do it because of this. What is the best part about it for you? Do it because you want to make a difference. Do it because you have the skill set to help other people. So what I learned in Boots and Walgreens was just phenomenal. I had the opportunity to, to learn stuff that if I hadn't have been in an organization as good as that, I would not be where I am now. You know, I'm quite, I'll quite happily say that. You know, I, I learned stuff that, you know, in there that, you know, I go into other big businesses now and, and they just don't have it. So I think you have to be, have an authentic reason for doing it. And my, my reason is, is for helping businesses improve their performance, whether that's through you know, the processes that they have or they want to make fundamental changes to their organizational structure or the way that they do things, or just through leadership development, leadership development and coaching. You know, and for me, that's, that's why I'm in it. I have a great passion and I get all my energy from seeing people move from their current state to a to a better state whether that's you know personally or or in a business context so it's it, it's about where your energy and where your passion lies and you have to be really really clear about that do you have any inspirations that you keep yourself going with is there anybody that you you are you a reader do you read books are you a, i read author? i i read i read a lot yeah and i think as a as a business owner you have to be eternally curious about absolutely everything so i'm massively into football i'm a huge liverpool fan but i have i have three i have three and one of them's going to sound a little bit odd so my three are jürgen klopp pep guardiola and alex ferguson 
and for different reasons. So I've read That's books. That is, uh, yeah, be very many Liverpool fans with those three, those three uh, inspirations. No, and it's and you know I've read books on all of them, and they all bring something very unique and very different. So Alex Ferguson was the master at managing change. So he could identify when a, when one of his teams had started to turn. When you look at somebody like Guardiola who went in at Barcelona. And when he went in at Barcelona, it was it was rotten to the core, really. So he instilled the Catalan values back into the club. And it just resonates so massively in business. It's exactly the same. Because you look at these huge clubs now, they're worldwide brands and they run like businesses. And what Guardiola did, you know, in Barcelona, instilling the autonomy and the accountability to the point where the players self-policed themselves because they knew what the expectation was. And then obviously Klopp, he's just massively into relationships. You know, he's a huge relationship manager. And you look at the collaboration that he has with his players, he looks at, you look at the empathy, you look at the drive, and they're the three people that you look at. So you take, I take... A little bit of all of them, to be honest, and try and mix it all together. And it is about taking the time to understand your people, what's important to them. You know, you touched on it before. You know, steep to understand, you know, do they have children? You know, do they do they have pets? What's important to them? What's their value set? You know, and go deeper than just the work environment. You know, I, I had an example when when I was doing the um, doing the job for Boots, one of the one of the guys that worked for me was from Wigan and he had a family bereavement and he said, can I go and work in Wigan? I said, you've got a laptop, you've got a phone, go and work in Wigan. He said, well, I don't know how long be, I'll, I'll be there. I said, it doesn't matter. I said, your family comes first. I know where you are. I know that you'll still do what I need you to do. Go and do what you need to do. And at the end of, at the, end of the program, he came to me and he went, you're one of the best bosses I've ever had. And I said, that's very kind of you, thank you. He said, at, at times I thought I was taking the piss. I said, but did you deliver what I expected? And did we deliver the objectives? He went, yeah. I said, well, that's all that matters then. That's all that matters. And by me paying into your emotional bank account and by allowing you to do what's so important to you, I know that you'll deliver for me because I've invested in you emotionally. And not enough I don't believe enough leaders do that. I do, I do think there's going to be a massive movement now towards uh, more empathetic leadership because... Yeah, I agree. It, 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 we're not in a... That is the past now. Mm -hmm. And I think for your business to thrive, the best staff will stay and give more and value the empathy that you have shown them throughout this time period and, and, and moving forward and, and, and maybe that shape they're offering in this long term. I completely agree. You know, as a leader, you have to be prepared to be vulnerable. So, you know, everybody's in the same position. You know, I think, you know, there was a saying, wasn't it? I think somebody said, you know, we're all in the same boat. Well, we're not. We're in the same storm. You know, we'll all, we all deal with it differently. Um, and I think that for, the, for me, the thing is, if you're prepared to show vulnerability as as a leader, and that you know you struggle as well, that it's far easier for your people to identify and engage with that, and therefore, you know, they they'll find it far easier to open up as well. Are you seeing any shift in the 
and the companies that you're working with, you seeing any shift in leadership and sort of like the more, I suppose what we would have called before this, the more holistic uh, leadership style. Are you seeing uh, any, a shift in corporate land? Are you seeing more of these? Yeah, I think, that's def- I think that's definitely coming through, you know, especially, you know, because we're all working remotely now, you know, that, you know, teams touch base on a, on a weekly basis via Zoom, you know, that they're having not just work-related stuff, but also quizzes and, and that kind of stuff. You know, for, even from my point of view, you know, working on my own, I, I have a network of people. You know, I, I touch base with with a guy that a, a guy called Neil Lewis, who's an empathy coach. So Neil and I have a we have a weekly catch up. You know, just just to chat, just to see how each other are. Um, but I do I do believe that you know leadership it has it has forced leadership to think differently. Um, the whole the the whole office mentality of almost clocking in and clocking out has disappeared to a certain degree uh, and I, I believe that's far healthier where we are now in a work environment where output is is what's important you know it's not about the hours that you work it's about you know the standard of the work that you do and and, and your outputs and are you delivering to expectation work is far more fluid um, but I believe as a as a working country and as a group of businesses actually will become more and more effective i, I feel that there's a lot of good to come out of um the way that we're working in the in the, in the in the current environment i completely agree i completely agree you know there was the the old notion was if you if i can't see you you're not working you know that's <laughs> that for me is, that is an that is an archaic way of thinking and actually quite I believe uh, quite destructive leadership style. So, you know, the way that the way that I lead, lead people is, I will trust you 100% until you prove me otherwise. And if I don't trust you, you won't be working for me because I'm not going to employ somebody that I don't believe can do the job. So, provided you deliver what's expected, I don't I don't mind where you work, when you work, how you work. It's the output and the standard of the output that I'm interested in. I know it's it's so it's so refreshing. You know, you just strip away everything that's not needed. You know, I mean, I went, when I left my corporate job, I refused to put any a meeting any longer than half an hour. Because if you can't get through what you need to get through in half an hour, either you're not focused properly or you haven't prepared for it properly. So all meetings are half an hour, stand-up meetings. Because if you sat, you know, I'm sure you were the same, you'd sit in meetings for an hour and you go, you come out of the meeting and go, what did we discuss? What were the outcomes? Where are we going next? I think you'd have to have another meeting to review the meeting you'd just been in to actually get to the first set of actions you've been in. So, you know, I'm, I'm very clear, you know, every meeting, every meeting has an agenda, every meeting has a set of outcomes, they're all decision-based. And if you can't make a decision in a meeting, why is that there? You know, meetings are there to, to drive the business forward, to make decisions. If you're just there as part of the wallpaper, don't even bother. That's pretty unique uh, in terms of our, in terms of these these, these episodes to, to this conversation. But I totally agree with with you on that point. And I think anybody watching this that is thinking about how it, it, the formula to success, let's say, that is a massive part of it. Like, be prepared to think this is a waste of my time. Yeah, if I go in as a as a, as a consultant into a business, you know, I'm, I'm very clear about why are we, why are we here? 
So what, what, what is this meeting for? So I'm very, very big on, as I've just touched on, what's the agenda? What are we here to talk about? What outcomes are we looking to get out of the meeting? What decisions do we need? So who do we need in the room? What decisions need to be made? And wherever possible, pre-circulate information because you get to so many meetings and you'll sit in a meeting and then somebody will drop a document on your desk that's probably about two or three pages long that you've not had the opportunity to read and people are expecting a decision. And I was always like, well, with the best, with the best will in the world, how can you make me expect me to make a decision on something that I've just looked at? And if that was the case, I'd cancel the meeting because I can't, I can't reflect, I can't make a decision on, on what you're asking me to make a, decision, make a decision on. So I was very much in the mindset of, if the meeting's on a Wednesday, everything has to be pre-circulated by Monday. You know, if, you're not, if, if you can't pre-circulate it by Monday, it doesn't come into the meeting because you know, meetings end up as talking shots. You know, people yeah. tell them, well, you know, this, is, this is what I've done and this is where I've done it. I'm not interested. What I'm interested in is the decisions that you need. And if there are issues, I want to know by exception. So every meeting I ever ran was always by exception. I want to know your risks. I want to know your issues. I want to know your dependencies. And I want to know your problems. If everything's on track, fantastic, well done. But you don't need to tell me because I trust you that you're doing it anyway. What I need to understand is where you need help. And I think for me, this is where a lot of businesses go wrong. They don't have enough clarity going into meetings about truly what the meeting is about and what its objectives are. So that meeting to set the expectation of all subsequent meetings is valuable. Yes, exactly. And I think it's interesting. We 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 probably work with um, quite. We we've got a real interesting portfolio mix. We do work with corporate clients, and we do work with like you know retail outlets, one independent boutique type things. And it it you, it is interesting that you can see how no decision making authority, as you've mentioned just there, slows everything up. You can see that grind companies yeah. to, to a halt. Absolutely. You know, it, it almost becomes a paralysis. You know, I had a very similar example company I was working with. <clears throat> you know, a girl refused to engage in the meeting. I said, right, okay, we're going to go ahead with the meeting. You've just revoked all your decision rights. We'll make the decision without you. Turned up. I think you'd have, you'd have my style meetings. Yeah, it's just... I just can't, we're all we are we are all so busy. We are all so massively, massively busy, and you can invest your time far, far better if you are focused and if you prepare properly. What is the one piece of advice you would give to yourself starting out? Oh, what is the one piece of advice? I did, I did, I did prepare to this. Um, so the one, the, the big thing for me is you have to make time for yourself as well. So your business, if you're setting your own, you know, starting your own business, or if you want to climb, you know, the corporate career ladder, whatever it is, you have to make time for yourself because it can become all consuming. So, you know, if I think about myself and setting up the business, you know, I'd start work at 8.30 and I'd be still working at half nine, 10, because you can always, you can always find something to do, you know, 
you never you never idle either your mind's ticking something over or you're working on something or you're reading so my my advice would be find an hour in every day and you touched on it earlier where you, where you go to the gym find an hour for yourself and it will mentally refresh you so i do yoga every morning for an hour and i just find that sets me up it sets me up from the day it, it gives me time to reflect it keeps me calm i'm clear about what i need to achieve in the day so that that would be that would be my biggest um my biggest reflection and also you know the, the piece of advice that i give to anybody starting their own business or looking to build a career so that completes this episode of spotlight with don't forget to like, rate and subscribe and we'll see you really soon for some more episodes.